camp counselors and camp security guards and um, a lot of familiar faces that I have here um, from Bakersfield. It's a lot of fond memories that I have with a lot of people, and I'm, I'm so thankful for um, everything that this church does, and they're very involved with Camp West, and you all put a phenomenal conference in 238, which I had the privilege of attending this year, and I had the privilege of attending many years growing up, um, coming down to this conference with friends, and um, it's changed my life. Um, everything that y'all have done and put on together, you guys do it first class, and it's left an imprint on my life and on my heart, and um, I can say that because of the moments and the services that I had at the Camp West and the moments and services that I've had here at these altars at a 238, they've changed me, and they changed me for the better, amen. So I want to thank you all personally for everything that you all do. And you all deserve to have a hand clap for everything that you do because it is making a difference, and it's touching people, amen. And I thank you all for the burden and for the ministry that you all do. I also see Brother Lars and Brother, Brother Laren over there. We're going to steal him and take him to Mexico. Um, he enjoyed the tacos very much, and we enjoyed him as well. And he was a very special treat. He was with us down in Ensenada, and he blessed us. And he's a, he's a great man, and I'm privileged to know him. Amen. Today, I will not want to take much of your time, but if you all could stand with me. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the book of Exodus, um, starting in chapter 3, reading the ver first two verses. And also, please put your thumb in chapter 4. I'll be reading two verses out of chapter 4 as well. I'm so thankful as well um, for the opportunity to be here that was given to me by your pastor, your bishop, and I give them honor, and I give honor to every single man of God that's on the platform, and I, I know a lot of people here, so I could be given names, so I'll stop at that. Amen. God bless you all. And when you're there, you can say amen. Now the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Verse 2 reads, and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Can everyone say, out of the midst of a bush? And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And if you could turn to chapter 4, I'll be reading out of verse 10 through 12. And it says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech, and of a slow tongue. And the Lord began to speak unto Moses. And he said this in verse 11. And the Lord said unto him. Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb? Or deaf? Or the seeing? Or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Have not I the Lord? And he said, now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And tonight before we're seated, before we put our Bibles down, I would like us to pray. But I would like to preach to you all regarding this topic, delayed destiny. Delayed destiny. I wonder if right now, as we put our Bibles down, 
all across the building if we can begin to lift our hands. And as we begin to lift up our hands, I pray that we just don't leave it like that. But we begin to ask that God begins to move in this house. That we pray that the anointing of God begin to come inside of this auditorium. I pray that somebody right now can help me get a hold of the presence of God. Because if the presence of God doesn't show up, everything that we're doing is for naught. If the anointing of God doesn't come inside of this place, everything we're doing is for naught. Well, I wonder if right now somebody could get a hold of heaven with me and begin to ask that God begin to speak to somebody. If God could begin to speak to somebody's heart, somebody's mind, somebody's soul. I wonder if somebody could pray for their own selves right now. If you could pray over your own mind and your own heart and say God open up my heart open up my ears let me hear the word of the Lord I wonder if somebody right now can praise the name of Jesus if somebody right now can put their hands together and begin to give him praise oh hallelujah I wonder if somebody right now as they clap their hands they can begin to think of something that God has pulled them out of. I wonder if somebody, as they begin to give God praise and give God adoration, that they would go back in their minds and remind themselves of a place that God has picked them out, out of and that God has taken them out of because you've got a reason to praise Him. You have a reason to give Him glory. You have a reason to give Him praise because the God that you're serving is not just some distant deity. He's not some something that we're looking at like a statue. You, but the God that we serve is living, and He's done something for you, and He's done something for me. God is attracted to praise. And every single time that we clap our hands and every single time that we worship, when God sees somebody who's doing it in spirit and in truth, God can't help but turn a blind eye to that person. He's got to focus in, and God's got to make sure that He's watching what they're doing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for standing. Thank you, Jesus. You may all be seated. Delayed destiny. As we begin to read, and as we see that as we're reading in chapter 4, specifically where God begins to speak to Moses, we, we saw the very first beginning of a conversation that God was having with Moses. That God interrupted the life of Moses. And as we begin to read in chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, as, as Moses begins to say, God, I am not eloquent, not heretofore nor after since you have spoken to your servant. That Moses is responding to a conversation that happened all along in chapter 3. That God began to speak to Moses and tell him that he wanted him to be sent out on a mission. He wanted him to be sent out on something that God had destined for him to go out and be a part of. And as you begin to read all in the book of Exodus chapter 3, you will begin to see the details as God begins to say, Moses, I have called you to lead a people. And Moses, I have called you to go out and liberate my people out of the hand of Pharaoh and out of the hand of the Egyptians. And God began to tell him, this is what I want you to do. But not only did he tell him what he wanted him to do, he told him how he was going to do it. And he did not only tell him that, but the Bible says that God had promised him the victory. That God 
did not only say go out and God did not say go do these things, but God says when you do them that you will be promised victory. That when you go out and you, after this conversation, and you step out of this place of holy ground, and you put your sandals back on, and you leave the burning bush, if you will go out, there will be victory. They will hear your words, and they will follow you. And as we begin to talk about the life of a man named Moses, I'm sure that many of you know who Moses is. But for those of you that do not understand or really have a full grasp of the significance of the life of Moses, you have to understand that Moses' life was marked with destiny. Moses was a man that ever since the time that he was conceived, that the Bible begins to say and begin to detail the destiny that was on his life. Because when he was born, the Bible says that he was a goodly child. And every single time that you would see someone back then, that they would describe someone as goodly, scholars would say that they would look at the good looks of a child. And if the child was good looking, that they would begin to say, you know what, our child is really going to be something when he grows up or when she grows up. That if they would come out of the womb and, and they were a good-looking baby boy, and if they were a good-looking baby girl, that they would say, you know what, God has found favor with our child, and that they're here going to be used to do something. And the Bible begins to depict and say that he was a goodly child. See, back then you had to be honest if your baby was good-looking or not. And I'm just going to leave it like that. Here we are in 2021. The age of Instagram where we're posting pictures of babies. Amen. But the Bible begins to say that this was a goodly child. That this was a good one. That he was beautiful. That he just looked that he had the hand of God on his life. That he just looked like that everything that was all around the, the characteristic of Moses, it just had the fingerprints of greatness over it. It had the fingerprints of destiny over it. And we see that he was born in a time that many baby boys would not ever live to see their infancy outside of that. They would not see their toddler years. And they would not see their childhood. And they would not see their teenage years. Because Pharaoh sent a decree out in the land to kill every baby boy of the Hebrews. But Moses' life was marked with destiny. He was born to be a leader. He was born to lead. But as we begin to see that as Moses began to grow in age, as God's favor continued to rest on him, as he found his way through the reeds, and he found his way navigating through the river Nile, that he made it all the way into the hands of Potiphar's, or not a Potiphar, but of Pharaoh's daughter's hands. And we see that it was another thing that someone might call it destiny. He grew up in the house of Pharaoh as he grew in knowledge and understanding as he began to grow destiny. But as we see that as he grew and he has became a man, that one day that he was walking out into the land as he was watching his brothers, his sisters, the Hebrews, that he began to see that there was an Egyptian mistreating the people that he was destined to lead. He saw that there were people that were mistreating the people that he loved. I believe that there was something innate inside of Moses that had a yearning to protect his people. 
a yearning to lead his people. A yearning to show them better and brighter days. A yearning to take them to the promises that was promised to them by their forefathers. A yearning inside of them. And as Moses began to feel the tug of destiny, we see that he tried to step out. But he stepped out of the lane that God had established for him. And the timing that God has established for him. And in the mode in which God had required for him to do it. And there he slew an Egyptian. And as those two Hebrew men looked at them, and I believe that those eyes stared and they burned inside of the eyes of Moses. That as they began to look at them, they said, who have made you to be a ruler over us, Moses? Who have made you to lead our people, Moses? And I believe that as Moses finally was, he was struggling, he might have been struggling in the house of Pharaoh, wrestling with his identity. Am I an Egyptian or am I a Hebrew? Am I an Egyptian or am I a Hebrew? Am I the daughter of the, or the son of Jochebed? Or am I the daughter of the, of the or am I, am I the son of the daughter of Pharaoh? As he began to wrestle and as finally he made it to a point that he wanted to step out and exercise the leadership. Step out and exercise the calling that as he stepped out into a lane that he felt deeply that he belonged in, his world shattered because he acted foolishly. As he began to believe that his destiny, that his plan became all messed up. So messed up and so scarred was Moses that the Bible says that he fled the land of Egypt and he ran away. And as he ran, he found, a he found the daughter of a man by the name of Jethro. And as he found this daughter and he found this house, the Bible says that he assimilated into their culture. And he assimilated into their tents. And he assimilated into their house. And he married his daughter. But although he ran through the desert and although he ran... Through the wilderness, Moses had destiny over his life. Because he would never fit in into the family of Jethro. Because he was never destined to fit in to the family of Jethro. He was destined to lead a people. He was destined to take them out of bondage. To take them out of slavery. And as we begin to see, that is where we begin to read. That Moses had felt this inkling, maybe trying to get away from the tug and the pull of maybe what you could even say is ministry. Getting away from the tug and the pull of a calling that God had put so deep down inside of his heart. Put down so deep inside the fabrics of his being. That as he was in the wilderness tending the flocks of somebody else. That God had looked at Moses and said, I have called you to lead my flock. I have called you to lead my people. Moses, I know you're hiding in the family of Jethro, but you are not meant to live there, and you are not meant to dwell in those tents, but I have made tents for you that was promised to you by your father Abraham, that I have had a promise for you, and it is destined that you fall suit into that place. See, because Moses had a decision to make, he had to make a decision. 
And as he ran, he ran from making a decision. And as he ran and got away from the people of God and from the place that God had called him to go and the places God wanted him to be and the role that God wanted him to fulfill, he ran away and bought himself time from answering a question that he knew one day he was going to have to answer. Because there was a question that haunts every single person's life where you've got to make your own decision. And you've got to make your own choice. And there are people that might follow the life of Moses. And as they run through life's wildernesses. And if they run through the life, as they begin to run away from a place. Because they just don't want to make a decision. They understand that they've got to make one. They just don't want to make one right now. They know that there will be a day that comes that says, are you in or are you out? Are you hot or are you cold? Are you going to be what I've called you to be or are you not? And the decision will chase you down because you've got to make a decision. Because there is a destiny that comes upon every person that is born. And maybe you can begin to see the life of Moses and see a slight characteristic. Of that. And as he went trying to buy him time. So much destiny over this man. Called to be a leader. To lead his people. Some might even argue he was one of the greatest if not the greatest leader in all of the Bible besides Jesus Christ. Moses. But his destiny was being delayed. And as we begin to see that he ran on the mountainside and as he walked and he looked at somebody else's flock and he was going through the motions of his newfound life that he was never really supposed to live. He was living through the nuances and the, and the new schedule that had come unto his life that he was never called to live. Getting used to it for 40 years. Beginning to live a life that God had not destined him to live. But he had become so used to it. He had become so accustomed to it. Maybe he had his own route for his sheep. And as we begin to see leading him on the backside of a wilderness. One day was different from every other day. I believe that he was looking down at the rocks just trying to make sure that he didn't lose his sheep. As he looked up to see if everybody was there, that he saw something caught his eye. Something glistened in his eye. As he looked right, he saw a fire. And as he had to begin to look at this fire, he began to expect and just to inspect this fire. And as he drew close, he realized it was not something normal. It was not something natural. It was something abnormal. It was something supernatural. Because God had had to have a conversation with the man named Moses. Because although Moses probably didn't want to make the decision, he had to make the decision. Even though maybe if it was his own choice, I believe that he maybe would have stuck out there another 40 years. And another 40 and maybe more than that. Because the past was just so ingrained in his mind. The past was so different than the future. 
work. The past was so different than what he believed that God was calling him to do. And not even believed it, but what God had told him what he was called to do. Because as you begin to read, that God began to say, I want you to go before my people Moses. And I want you to go up to Pharaoh. And I want you to tell him to let him go. And as they let them go, that they were going to follow you. And as they follow you, you are going to lead them into the next plan that I have called the people of Israel to live into. But Moses had the past so ingrained in his mind. But Moses couldn't believe the word of God as it came from his mouth. He didn't believe it. He didn't want to believe it. Because I believe that the future terrified Moses. Because then Moses looks at him and he's looking to God. He says, God, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord has not appeared unto thee. And I believe that Moses maybe may have had a PTSD moment. If you would let me say that. The post-traumatic stress that came on him. That as God began to say, I have called you to lead. But God, I've tried to step out in the avenue before. And I've been burned before. God, I've tried to step out into this lane. God, that I feel that is my will. God, your will for me to step out into. But I've been hurt before. And God, I've been damaged before. And God, look at me. Don't you see that I've been on the wilderness leading sheep? How do you want me to lead a nation? How do you want me to lead a people? Don't you see my past? How can you call me to such a bright future? And as God began to give him the details, he kept on responding to God with the but. But God this, and, and but God that, and, and but God how about this, and, and but and God said, I've given you the city, Moses, but God, I don't know if they're really going to believe me. God, I want you to go and begin to speak to that lost family member, but God, they, they haven't heard me before, God. I've been trying, God, for years. God, I want you to go begin to talk to that lost father of yours, but God, I've been, I've been doing it, God, ever since I've been going to church, and as the word of God begins to go forth. We let past situations and past circumstances not allow us to walk through the door that God has opened. But it is delaying a destiny that God has desired for us to walk through. Because let me remind you that the word of God is the word of absolute. That means every single word that comes from the mouth of God, it's going to happen. Even though the circumstance may not look like it. Even though the situation may not feel like it. Even though if it had not been opened before. But if God has said it, that means it's going to be done. Because every word of the Lord, it's going to be established. It's going to be done. For though God is not a man, that he should lie. And as God began to speak to Moses, he began to let him know, go. But Moses... Oh, God, they ain't going to believe me. God, how am I going to step out into this thing called destiny? He's been running from destiny. Running from answering. But God came. 
begin to read in verses 2 through verse 9, God then begins to give him signs that he would perform in front of the eyes of the people. And as we begin to read that, and I read that on first glance, I begin to think God was doing that to show them, look, this is the word of God that I want to, I'm, we're gonna, God's going to deliver us. And that, look, this is proof that, that God is with me. But those signs, if you begin to read, were not because the people would not have believed it if Moses would have just stepped out in faith and conquered his fear and said, God said, you're going to follow me. And God said, we're going to have victory. And God said, we're stepping out of Egypt. But those signs that were performed were simply for the lack of faith that Moses had in the word of God. And as you begin to read in chapter 3, there was just a conversation. There's a dialogue where God is saying, do this. And Moses is saying, I'm not sure. Why don't you go and step out in faith here? God, I'm too scared. God, why don't you please go out and why don't you please do what I've been calling you to do. But God, don't you know that I've tried that before and I failed. And all of the chapter, as you begin to read, is God going back and forth with Moses, pleading with Moses, would you please go? Would you please go? There's destiny on your life. I've called you for a reason. I've saved you from destruction for a reason. I've put my hand on you for a reason. Would you please go? Would you please go? But Moses, he just couldn't believe it. He just could not believe it. Because the past was too ingrained in him. The scars were too deep. The hurt was too penetrating. He began to waste valuable time that God could have released him. To step out into his plan, to release him, to step out in the will of God as he began to spend more time with God. As he began to take up the minutes of God as he stood before him instead of saying, God, what are we going to do next? God, after we get this victory, where are we going to go from here? God, what's going to happen after that? No, the conversation that God began to have with him is I'm telling you the truth, Moses. I'm telling you the truth. I, I, I really do mean it that I'm going to be with you. Don't let the shot to begin to put shadows in between the plan. Don't let it distort the future that I have called you to because it's much better than the hurt you've experienced and there's a future much brighter than the pain that you have felt. And how many times as we begin to analyze the life of different people, as we begin to see stories of people that begin to waste time and to delay on the plan that God had called them to walk on and for God had called them to go because they engage in imaginary scenarios, engage in battles that do not exist at all. They waste a whole year, another year, as they come and they might come even to a 238 conference and say, this is the year where I'm doing it. This is the year that I'm stepping out. And I don't care who comes in my way. I don't care who stops me. I don't know who's going to come against me. 
stop what God has called me to do. Come on, my man of God is behind me. But that's come on, because if God is with you, if the word of God comes to you from your pastor and it gives you direction, then you ought to believe that God is gonna pack up every word, and you ain't gotta worry about the details, and you ain't gotta worry about the questions, and you ain't gotta say, Pastor Bradford, is it really gonna happen like that? Is it really gonna do it like that? You just go and watch that God won't open up the doors. Watch that God won't make a way. Watch that God will not do his will. Because it's not God's word. It's not your word that's up for question when God speaks. It's God's word. And God's word will never lie. It's not your reputation that's up for grabs. It's God's reputation. And last time I checked, there ain't no blush. There ain't no blemish on God's reputation. God has came through every time. God has opened up the door every time. God has made a way every time. God made a way over Jordan every time. It ain't your reputation. It's God Almighty's. And you better believe that God is not going to put a blemish on his record just to make you feel good. God ain't going to put a blemish on his record just so you can forget the past of the hurt that somebody has done to you. God ain't going to begin to start lying just to make you feel better, just to make you quit having anxiety, just to start making you hang out with the youth group. But if God has said it, it is so. Because his, if God has said it, you can take it to the bank. God's word does not need clarifying. God's word does not need more explaining. But God's word can be taken for direct value. Many times as we begin to read, you may all be seated. Sometimes that I begin to read and as I begin to study in the word of God. And I love using commentaries. And they're great. And I, and I use them for study all the time. But so many times you see when God says something in the word of God that is so simple, that is so plain. Where God will say something like, why don't you just go and step out in faith. And you begin to start that Bible study on your high school campus. Why don't you go and step out in faith. And why don't you begin to begin going to that coffee shop. And to begin to start working on that barista that I've been working on your heart for about a six months now. Why don't you begin to reach out to that person that you run into in your cubicle every day at work. And as you begin to see the word is so plain and the word is so, it's so easy to read. That as we begin to pull out our commentaries and say, what did God really say? And they use commentaries to shed light on the word of God. But as we begin to see, you can even read so many commentaries that you need to pull out the black book again and shed light on your commentaries. Because if God has shed it, it is so. Hallelujah. As many of you have said, and Pastor, Pastor Bradford had said, my family and I, we are missionaries to the country of Mexico. I remember one time about two years ago, we were taking a family vacation to the state of Guanajuato, Mexico. We went there for about a week, and it was a beautiful, beautiful place. And, I, and that's when I really, really, really fell in love and, and got to see the culture of this nation. And, and I remember when we were there, Pastor Pratt and Bishop Frost, and as we were there, there were so many museums. They got silver mines, a lot of culture and art. That There was one museum that was dedicated to the life of Don Quixote. 
And I've always heard going up in high school and, and, and in my college classes as people begin to reference the story of Don Quixote. And as they begin to say and they begin to describe the facts that were back behind of how great of a success this novel was. That it was one of the most widely proclaimed and one of the most widely published books, even I believe five spots under the Bible. It was written by a Spaniard, by a Spanish man. And as he began to write... In this fictional story, people began to fall in love with it, and, and they loved it. And, and even in that city of Guanajuato, they have the second largest festival celebrating the literature of Don Quixote, and it's a big deal. And I, and I really wanted to understand what, what this story was about that I heard so very much. And I remember that as I began to walk through that museum, that it began to walk you step by step into the story of this man by the name of Don Quixote. And as I remind you, he is a fictional character. But as you begin to read, the, the museum will begin to just un unleash his plot. And as he begins to unleash his plot, his name was his his name wasn't really Don Quixote, but it was some other name, and he just changed it. He had a name of Alonso Quijano, and Alonso Quijano was a man that was very intelligent. And as he began to live the life that he was. Living, he began to read so many romance novels. And he would read stories about chivalry. And he would read stories about people taking chivalry back and bring it back to the world. And he would read stories about knight errants. And he would read stories about all these things about dragons and, and fighting and, and just him just reviving chivalry in the world. And Alonso Quijano became so enthralled with the stories that he was reading, fictional stories. That as he began to read, that the novel says he began to lose his mind. He began to lose his mind and slowly, surely, little by little, he began to remove himself from the real world. And he began to put himself in a different place, in a fake world, in a world that he made up, in a world that wasn't even real. And as you begin to read later in the novel, he began to have a, a squire with him by the name of Sancho Panza. And as he began to fight these wars, you read these stories and they're epic and they're just these ballads of, of him slaying dragons. And, and of him liberating town, of him doing such a great work. But as you begin in the museum, you start to see how the paintings that they have begin to warp. It's not, there he is fighting a dragon, but then all of a sudden, the next photo, he's all sunken in his cheeks, a, a skinny, frail, tall man wearing some big armor that doesn't fit him, and then the squire doesn't look so, so, so strong anymore, but he's just a little fat man, and, and just a little cap over his head, and as you begin to progress, those things that he thought were dragons, as he was out on the field fighting an epic war, that everyone else that would look Don Quixote, as they would watch him, he was out on the field swinging a broomstick at windmills, and he thought they were dragons. Out there wasting his life, wasting his time, wasting his energy, fighting a battle that did not even exist. Somebody hear that in the Holy Ghost. Fighting a battle that wasn't a real battle battle, engaging in a war that wasn't even a war, spending time over an issue that wasn't even an issue. 
delaying his destiny. Pray. Somebody lift up their hands right now. Why don't we begin to pray right now in the Holy Ghost? Come on, the Holy Ghost is in this house right now. Oh, God. Somebody take liberty right now and lift up their voice to heaven. Come on, somebody's soul is in the balance tonight. Somebody's soul is in the balance today. Why doesn't somebody begin to step in the role of an intercessor and begin to pray? He was engaging in a war that wasn't really a war. He was engaging in a fight that wasn't really a fight. And as he began to say, God, they will not hear me. God, they will not believe me. It was not the truth because the Bible says that the reason God came to Moses, he saw their affliction. He heard their cry. He knew their hearts were ripe. But he was engaging in a war. Fighting windmills. And they weren't no dragons. I'm going to ask if musicians can come help me play. Delighting the destiny that was so bright. And I would like to let you know that the devil would like to put scenarios in people's minds today. And he will begin to put an environment. He, he is a master artist. And he is better than Van Gogh. He is better than Da Vinci. Come on, he's better than anything you could ever see. And he can make the thing look so realistic. He can make the thing look so true that it even looks like the very storms that you are walking upon are very real. And they're hurting you. You step on the glass and you say, man, that is hurting me. But the glass isn't there. The glass has been put there in your mind as you begin to put battles and fight battles with people that really ain't even got a problem with you. And they are delaying you to walk it into the perfect plan of God that God has called you to live in. And you have been okay with living with average and okay with living with mediocre. And that God has came today, this morning, to unleash the veil and to show you what you are really battling. That the devil you think you're fighting ain't really as big and as bad as you think he is. But if the veil was unleashed, and you would see that he's really just a windmill, that he's really just some pips. He would like to trick you, ma'am. He would like to trick you, sir. He would like to tell you that people really don't love you. like to tell a young person that they're all talking mad about you. They're all talking mess about you in the youth group. He'd like to tell an elder saint of God that they don't even really appreciate you anymore. Oh, that they don't even really care about all the sacrifice that you've made. You begin to pick up a sword for a battle that ain't really even there. 
wasting your time, wasting your energy because you're pulling punches. You're still swinging and you will get tired, but you ain't hitting anything. And God is here today to unleash and show you where the real war needs to be fought, where the real war needs to be won, where you really got to be putting your energy because if you would put that energy that you were fighting so-and-so across the church, if you could put that energy of fighting the hell that is coming against your bus children, that you would really begin to begin to cause damage. So many people believe they're fighting a war. They ain't fighting nothing when they're just wasting their time and they will fall down tired and they'll slip out of a church because they said, I'm tired, I've tried, I've fought. They didn't fight anything. They were fighting scenarios. They were fighting imaginations. They were falling. They were fighting fables. And as we get to the point, and I'm done. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Put it up there for me, screen team, if you can. All of that is Moses began to say, God, don't you see the dragons? God, don't you see the thing that I'm fighting? That is, he began to say, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since that was spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and a slow tongue. Because he began to say, God, the reason I'm thinking I got all these things, I got a reason. Because many people do not create an imagination and do not create a scenario without something that can validate their scenario. There is some slight truth to it, but it ain't the whole truth. And he said, don't you see, they ain't going to believe me because my, because of my tongue. God, I can't talk. I stutter. How are they going to believe me? How are they going to hear me? And the Bible says that God finally got upset. And he became wroth with Moses. And verse 11 says, Who has made man's mouth? Who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? You know what God was doing? I know you got an issue. I know you got warrant to thinking that you can't step out into the plan of God. I know you think you have a reason to believing that you really can't buy out lock, stock, and barrel to this Pentecostal thing. I know you think that your family's a good enough reason why you don't want to fully buy into this apostolic truth. And I know you think that the lifestyle that your family normally lives is just my culture. I really can't buy into that. I just... Don't you see the past, God? You're calling me to do this. But don't you see I was a truckie? And don't you see, that God, that I was a pamperer, a prostitute? Don't you see that I am unqualified for the future that you've laid out before me? But then God looks at Moses. God looks at Moses. You know that tongue you got a problem with? You know that tongue you got a problem with? Do you know who you're talking to? And as God said, I have made man's mouth. Do you know what God did? God began to say the sing, the blind, the dumb, the deaf. God took ownership for every handicap, every disability. 
that has ever been born on the face of the earth. And if God said if they were born that way, it's because I made them that way. And I would like to let you know, Moses, that if I was the author of the situation, then I can rewrite the story and I can make it function in my favor. I can make this ability turn into an ability. I can make the dysfunction be a testimony. Because it ain't how bad the problem is. It's about how big my God is. Somebody right now, lift up your hands. The Holy Ghost is in this house to minister to deep hurts. The Holy Ghost is in this house to minister to wounds that are more than just six months old, but are decades old. What is delaying your destiny? Keep praying. Don't quit praying. We're entertaining the presence of God. But as you pray, let me ask you the question. What is delaying you from buying in? What is delaying you from stepping out into ministry? What is delaying you from trusting your ministry? What is delaying you from giving a better prayer life? What is delaying you? What is delaying you, young person, from really committing to the work of God? Come on, what is it? Come on, is it a friend? Is it a relationship? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a girlfriend? Come on, what, what, what's hindering you? Come on, come on. Ma'am, sir, what is delaying you from getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Woo! Is it what your mama was, how she was baptized? It was how your grandmother was baptized? What's delaying you from accepting that God, the evidence of his spirit coming down into your life, is in a heavenly language? What is it? What is it? It can't be the facts because the facts say that every single person, come on, they spoke in tongues. Every person that was baptized, they went down in the name of Jesus. For there was no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Even right now, the devil slipped in to delay your destiny. One more service. Come on, keep praying. I need your help to pray, church. I need pillars. I need prayer warriors. I need women and angels of God to help me pray because there's a war in the spirit because the devil don't want to be exposed this morning of the war that you're really fighting. But I ask you, ma'am, I ask you, sir, come on, what's stopping you from really buying in? What is stopping you? What is hindering you to put the bottle down? What is hindering you... Come on, let's engage in warfare all over the building. And right now, I wonder if they can begin to help me sing. As they begin to sing tonight, God is going to bring victory. But don't delay your destiny. Not another service. Not another song. I have been bruised. Come on, what is delaying your destiny? There's a war to be won. There's a fight to be won. Still I will trust you. I'm going to right now, if the help me pray right now. I'm going to begin to find people over sanctuary. Come on, I would like to let you know, today is the day to leave that burning bush. Today is the day to put on your sandals and march to your promise and march to your destiny and march forward. Today is the day to make a decision to be baptized in the name of Jesus. For today, of salvation.
Today is to ask the day to ask for forgiveness. Today is the day to get your heart right. Come on, there are people that are still delaying and they're staying in a pew when God has thrown you on the inside, but you don't want to expose. He doesn't want to be exposed, but somebody's got to take the liberty and pull the cover off and pull it off and say, God, I won't let it hinder me. I won't let it rob another year of my youth. I won't let it rob another year of my vitality. Church, help me pray all over the building right now. Right now. Come on. God is touching hearts. I need people up and be praying. Come on, church. Let's respond. Step out of the pew where you are. Come on. Walk to the front for a few moments today. God, direct me to your calling and purpose in life. I don't want there to be any obstructions. I want your anointing and your hand and your ability, Lord. Praise God. Come on, step out of the pew where you are. Come to the front for a few moments. Lift up your hands and say, God, you've given to me.